Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts for today, Kathy and Karen. Today we will be discussing only episode thirty-two of the story of Yanxi Palace. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. In this podcast episode, we will do an episode recap, then touch up on some behind-the-scenes information, and then move on to history. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us. As Kathy mentioned, today we are only focusing on one episode, as there's a lot of history to unpack, as well as behind-the-scenes stuff to uncover. And we also want to give a proper farewell to someone special. It all starts in episode 32 with the emperor at night arriving with Xian Fei to meet Gao Guifei or Noble Consort Gao, who is currently watching the preparations for a performance for the Empress Dowager. The performance itself is called Wan Zi Tian Hong, or in the drama they call it a blaze of colors. The direct translation is ten thousand purple, one thousand red, which ultimately reflects the burst of colors when molten iron is blasted into the sky with bursts of sparks that light up the night sky. It is a stunning scene, and I'm actually really impressed with how the drama filmed it. As we will discuss later. This is also called the Iron Flower Show. Now, this Wan Zhiqianhong has been kind of in the background works for quite some time, and Gao Guifei has been talking it up for a couple of episodes now. So it's amazing to see it in full display. However, don't you think from the first moment you see this that wow, this is insanely dangerous? Molten iron just being splashed around with no safety measures whatsoever. What could go wrong, right? Gao Guifei does not care, though, does she? She even steps forward to look more closely at the show and begins devising how better to put on a performance for the Empress Dowager. But just as she steps forward by herself with her maid from the group, one of the blacksmith performers directs a burst of sparks right at Gao Guifei, and it hits her full in the back. The emperor wants to protect her, but is held back by Xian Fei. In the chaos, the offending performer slips away while other performers create a diversion. The imperial guards immediately tell the performers to stop and then spread out to seek the perpetrator. But it is too late for Gao Guifei; she has been severely injured. I thought it was a clever bit of acting or、uh, cutting of scenes to have the people. Shift in and out of who committed the crime. You do get some close up of the enraged grandfather, so you know that he was a part of it. But in the confusion, it's really hard to see like what actually happened, which is, I think, the point of this scene. The imperial guards search high and low for the perpetrator, and even head to Xinjiaku, where Ying Luo and Yuan Chunwang are working to see if the culprit hid there. The guards are not able to find anyone, but Yuan Chunwang figures out what happened. He confronts Ying Luo and surmises that she must have planned to help the attacker long ago. 
She even purposefully shouted that she had no more connection to the Empress in order to prevent the Empress from being connected to anything that Ying Luo does. This does seem to be the plan that Ying Luo worked on with one of the craftsmen for the performance in the last episode to carry out. Poor Gao Guifei, her entire back is bloodied by burns from the scorching molten iron, and I will talk about just exactly how hot it can be. She screams that she doesn't want medical attention either, because it means that it will leave scars on her back. You do have to feel bad for this type of injury of hers. What's worse is that as the doctors find out, the injury isn't just from molten iron. It's actually from gold water. The drama explains that gold water is basically where feces water has been added to the mix of the molten iron, which causes any burns to be unable to fully heal due to repeated infections from the feces. This is a rather low blow if you ask me. And quite clever. The emperor goes to visit Xianfei and explains all of this to her while also checking up on her injuries. The thing is, even though she herself is injured, you have to look at her smile. This was all an act on her part to showcase how much she cares for the emperor and for him to see that she cares deeply about him. Once again, in Xianfei's eyes, you can see her calculating gaze. And the emperor even says, You know, Xianfei, that I can take care of myself. I wasn't in any danger. But Xianfei just had to make it seem like, you know, she was more into this, into protecting him, than she really let on. Plus, the benefit of a little bit of an injury means that the emperor will always remember what she did for him. It's not like I'm not thoroughly enjoying this hardened Xianfei, though. We find out that Gao Guifei has not been a good patient and therefore has made recovery pretty much impossible. The infections on her back cannot be healed. Even Ye Tianshu and the other imperial doctors are at a loss at what to do. It seems like Gao Guifei only has but a few days left. It is at this opportunity that Xianfei comes in to gloat her success. Gao Guifei is quite shocked to hear that it is Xianfei who mixed in the jinju or the gold water or the feces water, whatever you want to call it, to the molten iron mixture. Though I do find it interesting that Xianfei said she just helped her in Chinese. It's the same word for him and her, but you have to see the written language. And Xianfei said she just helped her, aka Ying Luo, meaning that Xianfei knows it was Ying Luo who was involved in this retribution against Gao Guifei. But she, Xianfei, just added the final blow. This is Xianfei's revenge against Gao Guifei for just how Gao Guifei treated her. Not only did Gao Guifei humiliate Xianfei multiple times, but she also had a direct hand in destroying Xianfei's family. This, in Xianfei's eyes, is fully justified. How did Xianfei know about this whole plan, though? Might I remind you that in the last episode, Jin Xiu, the maid who dislikes Ying Luo, oversaw Ying Luo speaking with one of the blacksmith performers and ran off. If you'll recall, Jin Xiu then slipped 
a piece of paper into Xianfei's palace. And Xianfei at first kind of just said, okay, I'm not going to do anything. But with that information, Xianfei devised her own plan. Xianfei leveraged Yingluo for this little revenge attack against Gao Guifei without Yingluo even knowing that she was an unwitting pawn in the grander scheme of Xianfei. I do commend Gao Guifei though here. After listening and hearing what will befall her, even if she does get better, she decides that, nope, I'd rather 10,000 people hate me than one person pity me. She cannot stand the thought that even if she is healed, the emperor will always pity her. She decides to end things on her own terms. But beyond that, it's not necessarily about pity, it's that she will lose favor. Her back will forever be scarred by what happened, and so the emperor will no doubt not like her or favor her as much as he used to. So what's the point for Gao Guifei? Therefore, in front of the emperor, she forces herself to dance one last dance. You can tell that this was an excruciating experience as her dress soon becomes soaked with blood from her back during her dance. As she falls to the ground, the emperor and she finally have a heart-to-heart. She shows that she's not blind to the fact that her favoritism from him is just that. Favoritism, not love. He is wary of her family's power and connections, and so everything given to her always came with a hint of suspicion and wariness. But her last request is to have her mother be buried in the family shrine so that her spirit will have a place to rest. Say what you will about Gao Guifei, she is a good daughter to her mother and always stood up for her deceased mother. Soon after, Gao Guifei adorns a lavish outfit. She does one last performance in her extravagant outfit before throwing out that white cloth. We all know what that means. Gao Guifei decided to end her life on her own terms. The emperor fell silent upon hearing the news. He ordered that Gao Guifei be promoted to imperial noble consort or Huang Guifei and her funeral be a joint effort of the different ministries. He reflected upon her last words before remaining somber for the rest of the night. And with that, we end episode 32. Xianfei is smiling that evil smile in her room, while Yuan Chunwang and Ying Luo are also semi-celebrating in Xinjiaku. All right, let's move on to some juicy behind-the-scenes details. I want to share this here regarding Gao Guifei because this is the last time that we will see her. So, when the drama aired back in 2018, there were official photos that were posted of Gao Guifei and none other than Wei Yingluo's sister, Wei Yingning. These photos raised several eyebrows from people. Why? Because in them, Gao Guifei was dressed up as a male opera singer who was seen comforting the crying Wei Yingning. The scene is set in the daytime and Wei Yingning is seen crying in Gao Guifei's embrace. The whole drama aired and we didn't get any actual scenes between the two of them. So what happened? 
Well, of course, that scene was cut for the final airing. Now, rumors were rampant, and I mean rampant, on what this all meant. Were we finally to get like an actual lesbian relationship? Fans were trying to guess what was cut. Some theories included Gao Guifei actually thinking very highly of Wei Yingning. They thought that perhaps the two encountered each other when Wei Yingning sent clothes to Gao Guifei and Wei Yingning caught Gao Guifei's eye. When Wei Yingning was assaulted by Hong Chou, she went to seek some solace with Gao Guifei, which is where the fans believed led to these photos. They also thought that this must have been the reason why Gao Guifei was able to so quickly gather the evidence for Wei Ying Luo, that it was Fu Hong who committed the assault. Gao Guifei must have believed that it was a Fu Cha family who committed the crime, and one of the reasons why she kept targeting the empress. Well, I mean, if you thought about it, that didn't really make sense, which makes sense because this was all conjecture. In an interview, the actress for Wei Yingning, Deng Sha, dispelled all of these rumors and told us what actually happened. Basically, Gao Guifei was a bad guy in these photos. So, Wei Yingning was upset and was wandering around in the palace. I don't know if this was after her incident or just another instance of when she was sad. The actress did not make that clear in her interview. But Gao Guifei caught wind of her wandering around and then decided to dress up as a male opera singer to quote-unquote pretend to cheer her up and console her. Wei Ning, for reasons unknown, finally cried in her arms. Gao Guifei's goal, though, was not to actually be nice to the poor girl. It was so that the other maids would see the scene in broad daylight and mistaken Wei Yingning as cavorting with another man. And so, Wei Yingning would then be punished and perhaps kicked out. Wei Yingning did not get kicked out, but apparently she was beaten up by a few other palace maids. So, this didn't turn out to be a good story for Wei Yingning. And for fans who were rooting for a lesbian relationship between Gao Guifei and Wei Yingning, Alas, that was not to be the case. Alright, next up. In this episode, before Gao Guifei dies, she makes a brief mention of her two younger sisters. We don't get any real indication of their fate until the next episode, when in a voiceover, it is mentioned that her two younger sisters also died. Well, we'll talk about whether or not it was a cut scene or not, but basically, Gao Guifei ordered her two younger sisters to be poisoned so that they could not enter the palace to garner favor with the emperor. As we saw in the show, she loved her mother and her brother, the guy who wanted to see her before she died, but she refused. Gao Guifei did not want her younger sisters to enter the palace and ruin the gift that she requested from the emperor, which is a proper burial for her mother. Like I mentioned, say what you will about a woman and killing her sisters, but at least she really loved her mother. The real bad guy in her family is, I have to say, Galway father. Yeah, he was a pretty scum of a human being. 
And with that, let's move on to some costumes. In this drama, Gao Guifei had roughly around 10, 11 costumes, depending on how you count it. That's actually not that much compared to the other women in this drama. I was doing some research on her clothing, and it's difficult to say what's the truth, because there's a lot of creative licenses that the drama took for the show, but they also tried in many places to stay true to history. That is the same for Gao Guifei's outfits. The most iconic of hers is either the pearl shawl outfit we see her wear in this episode, or else her golden opera outfit. Gao Guifei was a Han woman, so that meant that her costumes in this drama were slightly different. If you'll notice with her clothing, they are less form-fitting than the other consorts in the drama, or the clothes of the other consorts in the drama, especially with regards to the sleeves as compared to the Empress and Chunfei, who are Manchu women. That was apparently the case for early Qing Dynasty women in which Han women and Manchu women dressed differently. Although I would argue we aren't really in the early Qing Dynasty anymore. As for Gao Guifei's hairstyle, she is one of the few women in Chinese Qing Dynasty dramas to not have a two-pronged hairpiece. This is more of a one-piece headpiece or qi tou zuo. That style was actually much more popular during the late Qing Dynasty, so the late 19th and early 20th century. We do have a photo right now of Wan Rong, who was the wife and empress consort of the last emperor of China, with something similar to the hairstyle that Gao Guifei has in the drama. I will say that there are many, many posts of people pointing out the historical inaccuracies to this drama, especially with regards to costumes. We might focus on a couple if there isn't much history in subsequent episodes, but again, they really do look nice for this drama and for the characters themselves. So, you know, we'll be nitpicky, but not as nitpicky as some of the other folks online. Now let's move on to some history. First up is the poem that Xianfei recites when she first witnesses the Wanzi Tianhong show. It is the 14th of a collection of poems called Qiu Pu Ge or the Qiu Pu Ballads. These poems were written by the famous Tang Dynasty poet Li Bai in the mid 8th century when he was traveling to the area of Qiu Pu, which is now modern day Anhui province. The one that is recited in the drama is the 14th out of 17 poems. It's a standard Chinese quatrain or wu yan shi with four lines and five words. Lu huo zhao tian di, hong xing luan zi yan, nan lang ming yue ye, ge qu dong han chuan. Our translation is as such. The fire from the furnace illuminates the earth and the sky. Red sparks shine amidst the purple smoke. In the moonlit night, the hardworking smelters' song reverberate throughout the cold mountain valley. The poet Li Bai wrote these poems during his exile from the capital city of Chang'an. He traveled the empire to explore and write poems. The village of Qiu was known for its silver and copper mines. He actually traveled to Qiu three times in his lifetime. 
He most likely wrote these poems around 753 AD. During this time, though, he was pretty disappointed by the ways of life uh, in the empire as he saw the writing on the wall of An Lushan's rise and future rebellion. Next, let's talk about Wan Zi Qian Hong. It is more commonly known, as Karen mentioned earlier, as Da Tie Hua or the Iron Flower Show. The history of this skill is quite long in China. There are some places that write that the skill dates back to the Warring States period in China some 2,500 years ago, basically when China entered into the Iron Age. However, on Bai Ke, it says that this tradition started probably in the Northern Song Dynasty. That is to say, this, regardless, still has at least 1,000 years of history. So regardless, whether it's 2,500 years ago or 1,000 years ago, this whole show and skill has been around for a long time. And is extremely dangerous, if you couldn't tell. Yes, please, listeners, do not, do not, do not try any of this yourselves, <laughs> as is shown in the drama. Nowadays, there are two ways to perform or to get the effect of the Iron Flower show. The first one is the one we see in the drama, which is to say, the melting iron or the molten iron is poured onto a willow block and then struck from the bottom to make the iron flowers, or in our drama, the Wanzi Tianhong. I mean, it absolutely looks gorgeous. I kind of wish that in the drama they gave us a proper depiction of the art in all of its lavishness instead of one in the night with scaffolding around because I'm watching some performances on YouTube and Chinese media and the shows are absolutely breathtaking. Although I know for the purposes of the show, it had to be what we got. Now there is another way to create the effect, and that is more of a spraying motion or a painting motion of the iron flowers onto a city wall. Basically, you have a large wooden spoon made of willow, which has been soaked in water for three days and nights and coated with fireproof material. Then the performer sprays the wall with the molten iron in a circular motion. This method is more recent, having a history of only around 500 years, and originated in the Hebei province during the Ming Dynasty. There are still remnants of city walls that have the residue of iron flowers on the walls. As of now, there are only a handful of people who know how to perform the skill. I mean, I don't blame them. This is an extremely dangerous craft. The performers still basically wear the same clothes as their ancestors for the performance, which is to say goat skin and a wet straw hat. It is still common to get injured or sprayed by the molten iron, and that molten iron can get up to 1,600 degrees Celsius. In some of the more modern performances, I do see people wearing much better fire protection, but I've also seen some people wear pretty scrappy protection, as with just like a wet straw hat and the goat skin. At least I think they're all wearing gloves now, which is a big improvement. As much as it is a beautiful sight, I really do hope people protect themselves when A, performing this show, and B, when watching this show. As we see in the drama, getting injured with this is no joke. 
I mean, 1600 degrees Celsius. I don't even like, I don't even know how to like fathom this. It is a beautiful, beautiful arch craft, but uh, please be safe. At the end of the episode, right before Gao Guifei decides to end her life, she sings the last lines that Yang Guifei sings in the opera Changsheng Dian, or the Palace of Eternal Youth. We talked about it in episode 27, so this is a slight refresher. Changsheng Dian, or the Palace of Eternal Youth, was written in 1688. The first half, again, recounts the love story between the emperor Tang Xuanzong and the concubine Yang Guifei, but is also a criticism of the lavishness of the palace and the emperor's dismissal of his empire, leading to the Anshu Rebellion. So this scene right now is at the end of the first half of the opera. The story of Tang Xuanzong and Yang Guifei is a constant motive that runs throughout the scenes we have with Gao Guifei. She views herself as the tragic character of Yang Guifei, but unfortunately, Emperor Qianlong in this drama does not see himself as Tang Xuanzong or is going to work hard to not be like Tang Xuanzong. Another point of comparison for Gao Guifei, to me at least, is actually with Li Furen, who was a concubine for Han Wudi during the Han Dynasty. We talked about Li Furen during our podcast series in the past, but Li Furen was ill and did not let Han Wudi see her on her deathbed because she, despite being an absolutely stunning beauty, wanted him, Han Wudi, to always remember her beauty and be filled with regret for not being able to see her before she died. I'm reminded of Li Furen with Gao Guifei, who wanted to also die beautifully and be remembered as such, rather than to die a painful death and wallow away with age. Which leads us to finally talking about the historical counterpart of Gao Guifei. Posthumously granted the title of Huixian Huang Guifei, or Imperial Noble Consort Huixian, she came from the Gaojia clan and was a member of the Bordered Yellow Banner. However, as we discussed before, her family previously was of Han descent in the Baoyi class. Due to her favor with the Emperor Qianlong, her entire family was lifted to the status of Manchu people. She was the first noble consort or Guifei, and imperial noble consort or Huang Guifei of Qianlong's reign. It isn't really clear when she was born, probably around 1711 or right around that period. She died on February 25, 1745. Gao Guifei first entered the palace as a concubine to serve the then fourth prince, Hongli. She was promoted to Cefujin in 1734 basically the second rank under the main wife. When Emperor Qianlong ascended the throne in 1735, her whole family was lifted to the status of Manchu people, and she was granted the status of Guifei with the title of Hui, which means intelligent. She fell ill in 1745. Two days before her death, the emperor granted her the title of Imperial Noble Consort or Huang Guifei, but she didn't survive for the actual ceremony. Now, unfortunately, there isn't really much on her from historical records apart from the praises of her during her promotion ceremonies. 
However, the emperor still must have really liked her because he wrote many poems about her and reminisced about her lifetime. Her funeral was quite extravagant with many more prayers performed by the monks and lamas than was required for an imperial noble consort. She did not have any children, and there are, however, some official portraits of her in the proper gold gown and black hat that was used during that time. I do wish we saw a shot of this during the show, as in her wearing her proper gold outfit. All we got was the black formal wear. In the drama, Gao Guifei dies of suicide. This would have been an absolute no-no because the family of women who commit suicide in the palace were severely punished, which is why it was a pretty good incentive to not commit suicide. I know her actions were for drama purposes, but let's just keep that in mind. In the 1730s, her father, Galbin, was also appointed an official post to manage the rivers in the southern parts of China, or as Zongdu. This is true to history, as we see in the show. Galbin also served as the Minister of Personnel, or Li Bu Shangshu, and the Grand Secretary of Pavilion of the Imperial Library, or Wen Yuan Ge Da Xue Shi, in the 1740s, before falling into disgrace in the 1750s and ultimately dying in 1755 on the job. All right, my last piece on Gao Guifei. The drama needed a bad guy in the early episodes of the drama, so they chose her to be the first quote-unquote bad guy. I highly doubt she would have been evil if the emperor cared this deeply about her, especially years after her death. It also isn't like there were other noble consorts or imperial noble consorts during that time um, of Emperor Tselong's reign. So listeners, please do not let this drama color your perception of the true-to-life version of her, which, as I said, granted, we don't have too much about it, but uh, let's just say dramas for drama's sake, let's not mix that with history. And with that, let's also give a round of applause for her actress, Han Zhuo. Born in 1983, she started acting in 2009 with a film called Spring Fever, Chunfeng Chen Zui Le Yewan. Since then, she has been in various films, dramas, and stage productions, focusing more on films rather than Chinese TV dramas. I would say her breakout role was probably this one in the story of Yanxi Palace. She certainly garnered a lot of eyeballs with this role. Tan Zhuo doesn't really follow the typical pop idol route and prefers to vary it up with modern and period pieces. I thought she did admirably here in Yanxi Gonglue and is probably one of the top three actresses in my book for this drama. Her gravitas really did shine throughout the drama and it was obvious that she put in a lot of work for this role, especially during her opera scenes. And so, Gao Guifei, we're sad to see you go, and you were slightly annoying, <laughs> but in the end, you knew exactly who you were, and I commend you for it. Thank you for being such an interesting foil for the first third of this drama. And that is it for today's podcast episode. Let us know what you think. 
If you are interested in watching more dramas or TV shows and movies, please do check out our sponsor, Jubao TV, who has a number of Chinese dramas and movies to watch on their platform with English subtitles for free. Online, you can watch them on Jumo or XUMO, or on TV, for those of you in the States, they are on Xfinity, Cox Contour, and also on Sling TV. Thanks again for listening. If you liked what you heard, please also do leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to us to. We will catch you all in the next podcast episode.